This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. As one of the landowners in the Summit Carbon Solutions Pipeline Group, I work through a process of evaluation of pros and cons. I listened to all the opposition and weighed the concerns. I shared most all of them. Then you have to decide, is the project of benefit to the state and farm economy? The knee-jerk response from opponents is no, but they are wrong. The ethanol industry makes the corn market, and CO2 sequestration can make the ethanol industry able to lower its carbon score, which is key to its future. No other single thing has added more to agriculture's wealth creation in my lifetime than the ethanol industry. Can the risks of having a pipeline through your property be mitigated in the easement agreement? To a great degree, if well negotiated and written. Are they willing to pay a fair price for the easement? I thought so. Do you trust them to do what they say? Acknowledging the inherent risk, I do. What do my immediate neighbors think about the pipeline and can we work together? Collective effort was helpful, and we did. After accounting for all of that, I agreed to sell them an easement. There are folks that have no interest whatsoever in going through this process, and that is their right, up until when it is no longer in their control. What happens next? Well, here's the history as our guide to the future. A recent article in the Register suggested that Summit Carbon was about to turn intransigent landowners over to the Utilities Board for eminent domain designation. I knew that was not true. That is not how it works. Dakota Access Pipeline left some chaos in its wake as it buried its oil pipeline. There was much justifiable criticism. People trusted Dakota Access, and if they were required to conduct a post-pipeline construction survey of landowner sentiment, I would suggest the results be pretty damning. They left behind a public relations disaster in terms of rural relations of landowners with utility companies for all other such projects coming after them. That is the problem for the CO2 pipeline developers. Dakota Access acquired 75% of the easements that they needed voluntarily before gaining eminent domain rights from the utilities board. I would expect that CO2 pipeline projects will have to do something similar. The Rock Island power line, by contrast, only acquired 15% of the easements voluntarily and realized they were never going to get there, so gave up on the project. The way the system works is that if a developer gets a strong majority of easements voluntarily, they're apt to get the utilities board approval to use eminent domain to get the rest. They are now at the point in the process at which documentation must be provided for the parcels across which easements have not been signed. Summit reportedly now has well over 40% of easements needed in Iowa and have signed more than 2,200 easements with 1,400 landowners on 700 miles across the entire project. When they sign an easement, they pay the landowner immediately up front, including crop damage expected. Structured correctly, the payment is tax-free. They have reportedly sent checks to landowners totaling over $110 million. A neighbor even had them remove obsolete grain bins no longer in use that were in the path of the pipeline at the company's expense. These old bins are gone, whether the pipeline proceeds or not. This is one of the interesting aspects of this project. If the developers fail to get enough voluntary easements for them to gain utilities board eminent domain use approval, and the pipeline is not built, the landowners who sign easements keep the money paid to them. 
Just because you sign an easement doesn't mean that they'll ever bury pipe across your farm. The developers have huge sums at risk, which is in the landowners who have yet to sign an easement, favor in terms of leverage of negotiating easements. I'm not aware that there's any drop-dead date when Summit's carriage turns into a pumpkin after Halloween. Over 40% progress toward acquiring voluntary easements is in the eye of the beholder relative to perception of progress, but once they get to 75%, the way the process works, then the holdout's leverage to negotiate deflates because authorization of use of eminent domain becomes likely. The number of voluntary easements gained is how they keep score of where they are at in this contest. Like it or not, that is the current system under Iowa law. CO2 pipeline opponents are making every argument that they can dream up trying to discourage landowners from signing voluntary easements. They keep the number below the threshold of what the utilities board requires to trigger eminent domain. Strong opposition plus a strong desire by CO2 pipeline companies not to lose their enormous investment adds value to the voluntary easement. My conclusion as a landowner and risk manager was that our best leverage in negotiating an easement was here and now. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com. Or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.